God is working in my heart. I'm holding back on some of the, the, the good ones I got. But singing in another language, you know that that's, that's heaven. We're going to be not, probably not, I would say, I'm about 99% sure that we're not going to be speaking English in heaven. Um, if I can go out on a limb, God is not American. Amen. Right? God is Italian. And, uh, and so when we get there, we're all singing. You heard about you heard about the Texan and the New York and fighting over where God's from. Texan goes, I believe God's a Texan. New Yorker goes, Man, you know nothing. God's a New Yorker. And so they go, both get up to heaven and God comes up to him and goes, Buongiorno, Principe. He's a tiger. <laughs> that a bad one? You know, I like that one. You're going to use that one. I know when you go back and you got to use it in a few things. I invite you to open up your Bibles. We're going to actually look at a couple of verses here this morning. And we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. And I'm really excited about um, this passage here because... You know, when you think about it, um, it's amazing to have these sniffer dogs everywhere we go. And they're, they're pretty amazing. I, I was reading something, I couldn't believe this, that, you know, when you, you're smelling your cookies, did you know that your dog is not only smelling cookies, he's smelling flour, he's smelling the ingredients inside the cookie. I mean, the dogs are, now how do they know that? Yeah, I mean, what do they do? I don't know how they figure all that out, but... Um, the, the dog sniffers actually scare you when you go to another country. Do you guys have dogs when you get off the airplane? And that, No, they don't, really. Oh, maybe they do. Right, you guys can fight later. But anyway, um, <laughs> you see some of these dogs. I mean, they sniff money. They know how to sniff money. Uh, they, could, they could actually, some of the things I was looking at, they could actually sniff drugs. They could sniff cancer. Think about that. Um, they could sniff, this is crazy, USB drives. They can sniff, are you ready for this? Illicit mobile phones. And now they're training them to sniff COVID. That some dogs can actually sniff COVID out. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, think about the things they could sniff. Now, wouldn't it be great if we had a dog sniffer come into the church and sniff out who the Christians are and who aren't? <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> oh, so you're not saved, are you, huh? Why don't you come into my office? I got a gospel track for you. And sniffed out who the real ones were and sniffed out who the false fake people were. I mean, that would be beautiful. That would be... Um, actually, when I, when I first got saved, my, the pastor across the street had this dog that was terrible, named Caleb. And, uh, I mean, this thing would just bite you every time. And I was nervous that I wasn't right with God because the pastor would say, this dog knows who's right with God or not. <laughs> and I would come into the office and, rrr, 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 and I'm like, Lord, what am I doing? What am I doing? And start praying and all that, getting right with God. These, these sniffer dogs are amazing. You know, let me just tell you something. John is going to send a sniffer dog on us this morning. And he's going to sniff out, really, are we believers or not? And it's amazing what he sniffs. Um, something really, really important here. 
um, as we look at the passage of Scripture. Notice in verse 3, he says this, By this we know. Now, now let me just tell you something. People say to you, you can't know whether or not you're going to heaven or you may never know until you get there. No, you can know. We can know whether or not we're saved. And, and what he says here in verse 3 is, we know, this is something we know. We actually, I love the word there, gnosko in the, in the Greek, because it talks about the ability to comprehend, to understand, to grasp, to know something. Not just to hear about it, but to really grasp it and to understand, to perceive it. He says, this is how we know. In fact, I love this verse. I, I use it because, you know, I play the piano biblically. Did I tell you that? My left, hand, my left hand doesn't know what my right hand is doing. You know, that's a big one. That's a bad one. But anyway, you know what I mean? But actually, Jesus said, don't let your left hand what? Know what your right hand... Don't let... When you give, don't let people know. Don't let them perceive it. That's the word. He uses the same word here. He says, this is how we know. This is how we perceive that we have come to know him. I love that. We, 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 this is how we can perceive that we have a relationship with God. Perfect tense. Something that happened in the past, but it still has results now. This is how we've come to know that we have a relationship with Him. How do we know this? How do we perceive it? How do we sniff it out, if we're going to say that? If we're, how, how do we really know? Well, people will tell you different things. You'll notice if you go to church. Notice he doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, you'll notice if you read your Bible. This, this, this is how we know that we've come to know him. That we have a relationship with him. Here, here it is, right here. I love it. If we keep his what? Commandments. And, and this is not all the time we keep his commandments, because why? We already studied a few weeks ago, if we sin, what do we do? We confess our sins, so we, we're not going to always keep his commandments. But, but this is an interesting word, keep. I want to show you what it means real, real quick. It says this, it says, The word keep literally means to look upon something as your treasure, therefore to guard it as your treasure. Here's what it means. When I met Katie... I said to myself, she's a keeper. Know what that means? <laughs> I treasure her. I want her. I have a heart desire for her. When I asked my family, I asked my grandpa, what do you think of Katie? He said, if I can give her more than a 10, I would. She's an 11, 12, 13, 14. She's amazing. She's a keeper. When somebody says, I keep his commands, there's a heartfelt desire inside of us to obey what God says in the Bible. And what he's saying here is this, the one who has come to know him, here's, here's the first thing that, that the dog sniffer is going to sniff out. The first sure sign of spiritual life is this heartfelt desire to obey him. We have in our hearts, we want to do what God says in his word. He says to love our enemies, and so we want to love our enemies. We want to forgive those who have hurt us. He, he says he talks about finances a lot in the Bible, and how we ought to be generous. We want to be generous. It's our heartfelt desire to obey what God has said. A first sure sign of this 
is this. You say, well, what about the person that doesn't do that? Well, look what it says in verse 4. The one that says, I have come to know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a what? Now, don't, don't miss this. Because <laughs> we're going to Argentina, Lord willing, in a month from now, and I'll tell you, a lot of Argentines know how to lie, and lie right to your face. And I mean lie. I remember one lady, she came and she was sitting at her table and she says, oh, my, my boyfriend doesn't believe that the baby's his and he wants to take a DNA test. And why does he want to take a DNA test? He doesn't trust in me. So I said, why don't you just take the DNA test? What's wrong with taking it? And her face changed. Well, you know what? It wasn't his baby. But yet here she is lying at the table, convinced and saying, I can't believe he doesn't believe me. Here is this person saying, oh yeah, I have a relationship with him, but a heartfelt desire to obey him? No, I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, I don't want to keep what he says in his word. I don't want to do what he says in his word. He says he's a liar. That person is lying, is, 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 is not saying their lives don't match with their lips. And look at this, their fakes, the truth is not in him. They are spiritual fakes. They're not real. They're not genuine. There, there is no relationship there, but they're saying there's a relationship there and they're lying about it and they're spiritual fakes. That's one thing I really appreciate about the Chase family is that they're not fakes. They're not fakes. They're not spiritual fakes. There's real life there and I, I thank God for that. I really do. Because um, I've met enough spiritual fakes in my life. The ones that say, oh, I know him, but yeah, what he says in his Bible, I have nothing to do with that, but I know him. I have a relationship with him. It's amazing. Rick was saying this morning, how, how many people say they know God, but then somebody asks them, are you born again? They say, well, I don't know if I'm born again. Well, how do you know God if you're not born again? And here, this is the one saying that he's a liar. The truth is not in him. The one that doesn't have a heartfelt desire to follow what God says in his word. Now somebody says, well, I really want to do God's word. Oh, do we? Well, look at this here. One of the most ignored commands in the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of commands in the Bible that we know about, but one of the most ignored commands in the Bible, are you ready for this? Is to make disciples. And I fear this as a pastor as many people say, I know Christ, I love Christ, I want to live for Christ, but yet at the same time, don't have a heartfelt desire to invest in lives and see people walk with Christ. There's a disconnect. There's a, yeah, I want to, I, I love him, I, I know him, I want him, but people I don't want to really invest in and, 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 and give my life to and, and show them Christ and to make disciples of them. And so at the same time we're saying we know him, but at the same time we're saying we don't have a heartfelt desire to obey his commands. Wow, think about that for a moment. You say, well, I want to make disciples, I just don't know how to do it. Well, look what it says here, we go... We baptize, we teach. It's, it's very simple. The going there is not that we have to go somewhere or go to another country. It's really having gone. We talk to people in our path, and when we do, we help them to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we keep teaching them. 
It's a lifestyle. It's not just a little Bible study. Let me study the Bible with you. It's what they're doing. Living it out. Showing Christ and sharing Christ. And so the one that says that he, they know Christ is the one that is committed to doing what He says in His Word. A heartfelt desire. And when we fail, we, we confess our sins. Look at the, the next thing that the dog sniffs on us here. But, but let me, before that, let me, let me do this here. Let me just show you something. This is amazing. Verse 5. I love this verse. This, this is an amazing verse. Watch this. But whoever keeps His Word... Watch it. This is this is incredible. I was studying out. I was I was going crazy. In my I got to stop studying in my office because sometimes I yell at my books and they never repent. By the way, I've never had a book come off the shelf and say I want to get right with God. But it gets exciting. This gets exciting. If this doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. This verse here, verse five, is beautiful. Whoever keeps his word. Now, forget about the liar and the spiritual fake. This is the one that says, I really want to keep God's word. I really want to treasure God's word. I really got a heartfelt desire to do what God says in his Bible. Look what he says here. In him, the love of God has been what? Perfected. You know what he's saying here? Are you ready for this? This is beautiful. There's different motives for obedience. <laughs> different motives. You ready? First one is we have to obey. By the way, when we parent and the kids are really small, we say this to them. You will do this or you will get a what? Spanky. A spanky. Right? Kind of hard to do that when they're in their 20s. Although, <laughs> believe it or not, are you ready for this? We were with a family one time that said they gave their 21-year-old a spanking. I'm glad we're past that stage. But well, you don't look at a 21-year-old and say, you're going to go to work today, you're going to get a spanking. But when they're younger, you say you have to do it. You got to do it. If you don't obey, it's punishment. And there's some people who obey God just because of that. They're scared of God. They think if they don't obey or don't go to church or don't read the Bible or don't make disciples, God's up there with a lightning and going to strike them down and kill them. And so they have to do it. Well, that's not why we obey. We don't obey because we need to. Um, some people don't like their jobs. They hate their jobs. I mean, they absolutely hate them, but they need the work. Why? Because they need what? They need the paycheck. I, I am so thankful that I do something I love. I love this. I don't have to be here. And I'll tell you something. I don't need to be here. Yankees are playing a little bit. I don't need to be here. All right? I got priorities. But I love doing it. And so there's people who live their lives and they need to do that. I need to obey God. If I don't obey, I'm, I'm going to try. I need to do it. Well, that's not why we do it. We obey God because of what? We want to. And here's what Jesus said here. This is beautiful. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He doesn't say, you have to or you're getting a spanking. He doesn't say, you need to or you'll never be what you want. He says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. I asked Nellie the other day, I said, are you going to work because you have to? Are you going to work because you need to? Or are you going to work because you want to? Try saying that to an 18-year-old. Her response, she's rarely wrong, Ellie. It's amazing how she's rarely wrong. <laughs> Takes after her mother. But she's rarely wrong. And, and, and she said, I'm going, Dad, because I want to. I like this job. I love this job. Well, praise the Lord. Do we serve God and do things because we have to? 
or we need to, or because we want to. You say, Jeremy, help me out with this. Well, look what, what the verse says. The love of God is perfected in us. Watch, watch what he says here in verse 5. I love what, what Daniel Aiken says about this. He says, and in keeping and obeying his word, my love for Jesus grows, matures, and is brought to the intended goal. Do you see that? As the more we obey Him, the more we keep His Word, the more love we have for Him. It just grows and grows and grows. Now watch this. Here's the beauty of the whole thing. The more I know Him, the more I love Him. And the more I love Him, guess what? The more I know Him. Is that beautiful or what? Should I preach in that the books? I mean, this is getting me a so, so let me say it again. The more I know Him, the more I love Him. The more I love Him, the more I know Him. It's this wonderful thing that happens as we serve God because we love Him and we have this heartfelt desire. God, I love you. I want to do this. Not because I have to. Not because I need to. Because I love to and I want to. The more we do that, the more our love grows for Him. And it becomes mature. And it actually reaches the goal that God wants. God doesn't want kids obeying us because they're going to get a spanking. God doesn't want kids obeying us because they need to. God wants kids obeying because they want to, for it pleases God. Remember one time Johnny was obeying, obeying, obeying. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Johnny, you have a fever, something wrong here? I mean, you know, he looked at me, he goes, Dad, I'm doing this because it's right. Wow, he got it. He wanted to do it. By the way, this is, this is just like a, a marriage. This is a beautiful cycle in a marriage. The more I know Katie, the more I love her. The more I love her, the more I know her. It just continues to grow. <laughs> I'm doing premarital counseling with two young people who love each other. I love when they say that too. Oh, we're just so much in love. No, you're not. You don't even know each other. You don't even know. You don't, you don't even know if the, who's going to get the... You know, the toothpaste, the cap off, and all that stuff that's gone. You don't even know if, if the person's going to leave the wet towels on the ground and you're going to get your socks wet in the bathroom. You don't, even, you, don't even know, you don't even know if they snore. You will find out. <laughs> you know nothing about the birth. <laughs> you will three days into the marriage. You're like, wow, what's that noise? I thought a bear was on top of me. No, right You will learn things. But here's the beauty about marriage. The more you know each other, the more you love each other. The more you love each other, the more you know each other. Yes. It just grows. Or it should grow. Unfortunately, in some it doesn't. But here's the beauty about walking with the Lord. The more we know Him, the more we love Him. And the more we love Him, the more we know Him. John says, this is the love of God perfected in us. It, it's reached its maturity. We've come to a point in our Christian life where we understand, wow, I'm doing this because I love Him. And as the song goes, every day with Jesus is what? Sweeter than the day before. Yes. It's not worse than the day before. It's sweeter than the day before because we love Him more. And we know Him more. And then we know Him more and we love Him more. And it just continues to grow. And he says, he says the one who says that they, they know him will love him and obey him. And as they're obeying him, their love will continue to grow for him. Now watch this. The dog keeps sniffing. And he, says, he wants to see something else here. 
And actually, there's three signs, but since we don't have much time, we're only going to look at two signs today. We'll look at one. I'm going to spend the whole time next week, Lord willing, on the third sign. But look at the second sign here. Here's a second sure sign of spiritual life. We're going to walk as Jesus walked. Now watch this. By this we know that we are, and don't miss this phrase, in Him. By this we know that we have a vital relationship with Christ. Remember, we don't just know about Him. When we accept Christ, we become in Christ and we are new creatures. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. In fact, the moment we accept Christ, it's amazing the spiritual transformation that happens. We become regenerated. Isn't that amazing? Now we have spiritual life. We become redeemed. Praise the Lord. We're no longer slaves to sin, but now we can walk with God. We become justified. We're declared right before God. This is a, we become adopted. Now all of a sudden, we're no longer outside the family of God. We're inside the family of God. And we are in Christ. He goes, how do you know that? How do you know you're in Christ? The dog's sniffing. The person's going to say it. Look at verse 6. The one who says it. I abide in him. I'm in him. I got, I got a vital relationship with him. I've accepted him. Here's what he ought to do. Are you ready? He ought to walk in the same manner as he what? Walked. You know what this means? This means we pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. And how he lived his earthly life, we pattern our lives after that. We look at his reactions in the Bible, and boy, he had some amazing reactions. We look at the things that he did and his actions and the compassion that he had. We look at the forgiveness he had. I'm going to forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. We look at the compassion that he had on the people that no one else would have on. We look at his eyes and how he looked and the love that he had as Peter's denying him. He looks at Peter and Peter just lost it. We walk as he walked. We pattern our lives after him. Now, now here's the amazing thing. Some people want to pattern their lives after people. Look at this. Some people pattern their lives after their favorite movie star. They get surgeries to look like movie stars. I thank God I look like one already. <laughs> Danny DeVito. Amen. Huh? You thought I was going to say Tom Cruise, huh? <laughs> that one, amen. But I'm close. I'm getting there. As soon as I lose this, I'm done. By the way, my brother in law is pretty big, big. And this is a side note, it's not my notes here. And we were walking to this place in San, were we in San Diego? Where were we? Some of LA. We were in LA together. <laughs> this guy goes, what are you guys doing? I said, we're here for the movie, the second movie, Twins. He's the one. He's Sardis Schwarzenegger and I'm Danny DeVito's son. And the guy looked at me, get out of here. So anyway, it was kind of fun. <laughs> favorite movie star. But people, they go amazing. They want to be just like their favorite movie star. How about this? People want to be like their sports hero. Right? They want to be like Mike that used to be when I was growing up. But people want to be like the, the Messies. You know how many Messies there are in Argentina? They all want to be like Messi, the amazing soccer player. Look at me, I'm Messi. Watch that man. They all want to be like their favorite sports hero. How about this? Some people want to be like their parents. That's a scary thought. When our kids were really young, Ellie and Johnny used to play Katie and Jeremy. <laughs> And they would walk around, come on, Jeremy. And they would have their little uh, 
what was it, car seat with a little baby in it? Come on, Jeremy, because we always walk around with a little baby in a car seat, and they would imitate us. Yeah. Wow. Scary to think they want to be like their parents. How about this? Some people want to be like their pastor or Bible teacher. Right? We're on the next slide here. I don't know if he's here. He's still asleep here. Some people want to be like their, their pastor or their Bible teacher. Right? Here we go. Bing, 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 bing. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> Obviously not the one in the back. But I don't want to be the pastor or the Bible teacher. So, so what does that mean? Be like their pastor or their Bible teacher. This is scary. They model their lives after people who eventually fail. And go shipwreck. Now that hurts churches. God help us. Help me. My favorite pastor and Bible teacher is Chuck Swindoll. I love him. But he's not Jesus. He's close. He's pretty good. But he's not Jesus. And yet we, we model our lives after these people. And what happens when they fail? Look what one guy says here. This is amazing. Where even the best of Christians differ from Christ, it is our duty to what? Differ from them. Amen. When they differ from Christ, we differ from them. And here's what he says. We may not pin our faith to any man's sleeve. Let's be careful with the, the role models here on this earth. They all fail. We don't pin our faith on them. We pin our faith on Christ. Amen. We look to Him and how He reacted. And Because it says here, as the author of Hebrews says, we must look and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And yet we look and we say, well, what would mommy and daddy do? Or what would this person do? Or what would pastor do? No, we don't ask that. What would Jesus do is the question. And I know that's a cliche. But do you know how that came about? You ever read, you ever read this book, In His Steps? Remember the story? The pastor's preaching. And some guy walks into the church and he's got, you know, clothes on and, and not for church and all this. And everybody's staring at the person. And then the person soon collapses and dies. And the pastor is so ashamed. Because he looked at that person with the same eyes everybody else would look. What are they doing in our church? What are they doing here? What is he doing here? And he said that, and, and, and the story goes, as the person was on the couch of the, uh, of the room, he, he looked and he said, wow, you guys looked at me and did this, but then you received me and all this. And he said, you know what, I think that's kind of what would Jesus do. And all of a sudden that phrase came, you know what? And the pastor got up before the people. And we need to start saying this to ourselves. We need to start asking ourselves, what would Jesus do in our situation? And I know nowadays what? Everybody's got the bracelet and all this and it's all this big saying, what would Jesus do? But really, we ought to ask ourselves that. Think about this. What would Jesus do if someone cut him off on the road? Would he honk like us? What would Jesus do when somebody wrongs him and treats him like a slave? What would Jesus do if he didn't get the position that he was hoping to get? How would he react? 
What did Jesus do when He was suffering? What did Jesus do when He felt alone? And He had no one around Him. And everyone forsook Him. What would Jesus do? You see, somebody who says that they're in Christ is going to look at the world and say, I am going to respond like my Savior responds. I'm going to live like He walked. And I know I'll never measure up, so when I don't measure up, what do I do? I ask for what? Forgiveness, because if we sin, we confess our sins. But He's the model. He's the one that we pattern our lives after. He is the one that we say, God, help me to walk like He walked. Help me to control my temper like He controlled His temper. Help me to serve others, even though I know that that one person may forsake me one day, and he did. He washed Judas' feet. He served others. Help me to be humble. And help me, Lord, to trust in you when things are not going my way. Because it says that he suffered trusting in the Father. Help me to walk as he walked. See, as the dog sniffs us, he's going to want to see, well... Are you really have a heartfelt desire to obey what he says? And do you really pattern your life after him and not other people on this earth? See, the one who says he abides in him walks just as he walks. So here's something to ponder. How can we live in a way that reveals your knowledge of and love for God? You see, because the world around us wants to know. Does that person really know Jesus? Well, how are they going to know? They're going to watch us. They're going to see it. We have Mark here. He's going to sing a, a song here real quick before we get into communion time. And then after he's done, I'm going to say a few things about the elements. And then we're going to have our communion time.